The Story in Your Head, Episode 1, Welcome and Our Why. Welcome to the podcast, The Stories in Your Head, where we explore how the stories in your head can influence your actions and the actions of others. I'm Michelle Masago. And I'm Ron Macklin. Michelle, why are you doing the podcast, The Story in Your Head? Uh, Thanks for asking, Ron. I didn't wake up this morning saying, I can't wait to do a, a podcast, but I really believe in what we're doing, you know, helping people notice and understand and use the power of inclusion to accomplish any ambition you may have. I think it first started for me as a child. So I was the youngest of three. My sister was in the middle and she was handicapped with both physical and mental handicaps. And growing up, we did everything together. She did stuff with me. I did stuff with her. My mom made sure we were always included. I mean, I learned sign language with her. I went to different events. And one of the things I remember the most was going to dances and included other individuals with handicaps. And I remember I kept telling myself, guess what? They are so much better at dancing than I am. I can't believe it. And by the way, that's a story that I still hold in my head today is that I can't dance. It haunts me forever. But what I really noticed is that each person saw the world differently. They acknowledged everyone for what they could do, and they taught me that everybody can contribute in a powerful way. And and I carried that philosophy to my career. And in my career, I focused on applying technology to different problems, and I held a lot of different roles. In each one, I always sought out others to contribute and help create new ideas and solutions. I actually remember a few roles in particular. One was I had a role where I was leading a help desk around the world. And I'd listen in on calls. And what I realized is that everybody at a help desk really knew the concerns of customers. And that's where I could find out what's going on. And they were the ones that could help me think of different solutions. Another one was automating a manufacturing line. And the people on that manufacturing line, they knew how to optimize that and just had to listen to them and talk to them. And one of my most rewarding roles was I was part of a team creating solutions to reduce preventable maternal deaths around the world. Basically, we're saving mothers' lives. It took us around the world to Africa, India, all different places. And I remember one particular instance in India where we went past a field where people lived in, I guess, houses dirt floors. They had those blue tarps, you know, for roofs, but each one had internet access. And I thought, what are they doing in there? What are they, maybe we should talk to them. And so we did. And guess what we found? Amazing innovation and actually solutions and applications. And we took those ideas and we scaled them because that's what we could do. And we saved a lot of lives. That's amazing. So what I really learned from all this is I really don't know that much. And there are a whole lot of people out there in the world that do know a lot. I just had to learn to notice others and ask for help. How about you, Ron? Why are you doing this podcast? Thanks, Michelle. I like you. I didn't wake up in the morning and go, God, I just can't wait to go make a podcast. What I've noticed is when people are included into something, like you get them wanting to contribute and you get all of them. This really showed up to me when I was still playing ball at junior college, Butler County Community College in El Dorado, Kansas. And I had a coach, Coach Elias. And what I noticed him doing was he actually would have different conversations with each player that was on his team. Now, we were, I was an offensive lineman 
And so there was like eight of us, right? And he had different conversations and had different stories with each one of us. And they all pulled us to the same group. So his conversations brought us in to where we were actually a team. What I noticed was everybody was able to play at their best. I don't know that we had the best talent in the league, but we definitely had the best offensive line in the league. All five of us that played, the starters, all got some sort of postseason recognition. And that's because we were able to perform and pull together as a team. What I noticed was what he did and what I was doing after that was I was using his philosophies and his strategies of bringing people together engaging with them in a way that they could feel like they could contribute to what was happening. And then they brought their gifts in, right? As I went through my career, which I worked with union labor, millwrights, boilermakers, iron workers, pipe fitters. And they always had this story about what are you doing? And I'd ask them like, what are you doing? What are you working on? What are you creating? How's this going to go together? And they go like, Look, I'm, I'm here from the neck down. I go, well, what do you mean, Nick down? I go, what? I don't make decisions. I don't have input. I just, I'm just here from the Nick down. I'm going like, you may have an interpretation that I know everything that's going on here, but I don't. And I need you to be engaged in what we're doing so you can help us, right? They were very uncomfortable making their statements, what they noticed and what they created. And you can see it was something that was so different from them that it made them like nervous and uncomfortable. And I kept pushing in that space because I really didn't know. I didn't know what was the best way to do things. I didn't, I mean, I knew the traditions. I mean, you could ask people to tell you the traditions, but the people who are the closest to it, when you can include them, they've got the best knowledge on how to improve. And in the process of doing so, we went from doing a particular outage scope at a power plant from around the 25 days down to nine days. And it saved the power plant millions of dollars, but it did something else that was more important. It created a belief in the people that were there that they could do things greater than they thought they could do before. And the moment we went, like we did it the first time where it went from somewhere around our target, stretch target was like 12 and a half days, right? And, and they were going like, oh God, there's no way we can do that. We got done in nine and a half days. They went three days faster than they even thought they could. Now, where did the barriers come down? They all came together and started to help each other to create in a way that not only did they do it in nine and a half days, the next time they went in to do an outage, the same group of people, they did it in seven and a half days. And what really happened was everybody pulling together for a common goal including everybody in, bringing in those ideas, valuing those ideas, right? And this is where I see is the happening now is it's going to start happening throughout the entire world. That is what we call the fifth industrial revolution, which is inclusivity. And the power of that is changing the world. Thanks, Ron. Amazing story. Okay. Industrial revolution five. I'm still getting my arms around industrial revolution four. So why do you think now? Why do you think it's coming now? I hold that it's clear to me that what's happening is each industrial revolution builds on the last one, right? So the first one, which is steam power, and steam power gave way to the ability to make electricity, right? So now you have the electricity, 
right? And then you had computers, right? And single function things like electronics and computers, right? And those were all because you had steam, now you could have electricity, and then you could have all these other computers and other thing else. And then the fourth industrial revolution is cloud-based, artificial intelligence, and all, all that space, right? Each one builds upon that. The moment that we got to the place where we could put information in the hands of every person, like with a smart device of some kind, you change their ability to understand the goal and to be able to bring their gifts into the conversation, right? So the fourth industrial revolution with cloud-based computing and and uh, virtual networks and all the stuff that you have, and now you can actually have a, a device on your on your wrist that can give you all that information. Now, at that moment, they can they have all the information they need to take the action to do it in the moment. We can never. I mean, our, our tradition has been from hierarchy. So the person on top, who was supposedly the most intelligent, brilliant person, right, who had all the plan, gave directions down. Now, all of that knowledge that was in that person's hand can be given to the person that's on the front line, that's out on the floor, that's on the processing line, that's in the doctor's office, that's wherever they are, in, in the, the lawyer's office, wherever they are in the world, they can get all that information ready at hand. Now, each person can bring their gifts into it, where before it was just the gifts of the one person on top. Thanks, Ron. Yeah, I can certainly see that if I look back to my career and even just back to that quick story about the the folks in India, they all had internet access. They were all engaged. They were all working and it leveled the playing field, right? And that was amazing. And the ideas and the things that they had there was just truly amazing. Okay. So Industrial Revolution 5 is just sort of starting out. What do you think the barriers are going to be? Or what are the things, the hurdles to really engage it and have Industrial Revolution 5 become more mainstream? Right now, there is a large portion maybe the majority of the workforce that is waiting to be told what to do. They've become comfortable being told what to do. They are open to like, you want me to do that? Okay, I'll do that. There's no, they have no responsibility in it. They have no risk. They're just laboring through. It's going to be amazingly uncomfortable for people to have to create their own world to be able to have the information, be able to have what, the, what it looks like in the end, and then hold the responsibility of choosing what needs to happen. It will, it will be a barrier, as in people will not be comfortable with that. Younger people who have had the information now in their hands, right? I'm noticing they're more comfortable creating something from nothing and, and being in that space. But not all of them. I mean, there may be more of them that are, are more open to it, but it's not like 100% of them. And that's a, the barrier we're going to be addressing is all those stories that we have in our heads that keep us from being able to be responsible for taking that responsibility for creating what they want to do in the future and in a way taking on that risk. Yeah, so it's the... Uh, what I made up, it's the being comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Getting past some of those those barriers or stories that we have in our head. So I appreciate you talk about sort of the next generation that's coming into the workforce, which is wonderful, but there's still a lot of people in the workforce today. How do we help them? First is for them to 
move into a space to create the knowledge in themselves that what's in them is just the stories that they created and put there themselves. Now that's a little different than what we've we've grown up with. We go like, well, we go to school and learn. So what we learned was what we did from school versus no, what we put in our heads, we put there, right? It's the fundamental of closed systems. Biologically, we're closed systems. We can see things and then we make up a story. We can hear things and then we make up a story. And all those stories in our head, we forget that we made them up. We just think that they're real. And what we do in our our series and our uh, sessions is we let them begin to notice that those are just the stories that they're making up. They are real to them, but they're not real in the world. And that they can change them. If they have the courage to be vulnerable, to look at them, to talk about them, they can actually open up those stories and look at things differently. And that would be the same for somebody who is, you know, 55, 45, 35, or 65, right? Those are just stories in their heads. Although for a long time, including me, I thought those stories were real. Thanks, Ron. Some of those stories seem pretty real to me. So I guess it's a work in progress. And as I talked about earlier, like that story of not being able to dance, boy, does that haunt me. I got, I got to work on that one. Because when I watch other videos, it's like, well, they seem pretty silly, but that's kind of fun. Hmm. I guess that applies to a lot of different things. That's great. And most of the times when I'm looking at something, I go, I don't know what to do here. I don't know how, to, how it should go forward. I find a lot of peace when I just go, oh, I'm missing a story. Or I have a story that doesn't work. That opens up a new space for me to look at what stories do I need to get? Who do I need to talk to to get a new story? Who do I need to, what, what experiences do I need to have? What is it I need to be working on to be able to create that story in my head? So that sounds pretty simple from a academic point of view, right? Oh, just make up a new story. I'm speculating it's not all that simple. Well, I like to separate simple and easy because sometimes we think simple is easy, right? And I pull them apart and simple means that I could understand the steps. I can look at it. I can say, these are the steps that need to happen. And that's what needs to happen. Easy means it doesn't take a lot of effort on my part. And I don't hold that it's easy. I do hold it simple. And it does get easier as we become practiced at creating stories in our head, creating how we're going to be that day, shaping our mood, shaping how we're going to be with people, shaping how we see other people. It does get easier. It's never what I would call easy. It's, it's worthwhile. Hmm. Well, I want to thank you, Ron. And this might be a great topic to continue in our next podcast. How to create those stories in your head, the ones that you want to create, and maybe uh, brush off a few that you don't need anymore. What do you think? I think it's a great topic for our next podcast. So thank you all for listening today. Please take a moment to subscribe to the story in your head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Thank you all. And we'll see you next time. Great. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks, everybody.